ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I am very excited about my guest this week. His name is Glenn Sandifer, and Glenn comes to us from Nashville, Tennessee. As I just said to him, a place I've always wanted to go and I still haven't been. So now I know someone there I can go visit, which is kind of cool. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Thank you, Janice. I appreciate the invite. And thank Absolutely. you to your audience for their time. Absolutely. So Glenn and I met on LinkedIn. What a surprise. Um, as I live on LinkedIn, and that's how I do my networking. And we had a conversation over LinkedIn, and then we decided to um, meet up on Zoom. And it it was kind of interesting because I'm going to get Glenn to give you a little background, but um, you know, my audience knows that uh, this is a podcast that's really about people who have the same values as I do around building relationships and the importance of relationships in business. And I don't very often um, go to the other side of relationships, meaning personal relationships, but I have done it a couple of times. In fact, I have an episode coming out, I think next week um, with um, John and Anna Mann, who wrote the book called The Go-Giver Marriage. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, Glenn, but that's just that was an interesting um, path for me. And they were amazing. And I'm hoping that this will be from the other aspect, like before people get married. This is where yes. you come. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, you and about um, how this came to be. Um, well, well, thank you again for your time. So, mm-hmm. so for, for me, this book was kind of birthed out of, uh, you know, just my own personal experience. Um, so uh, being a, a college graduate, uh, attending the best university in the world, Florida A&M University <laughs> out of Tallahassee, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't having the best relationship outcomes, even had a failure uh, that is documented in, in my divorce in my late 20s, early 30s. So coming out of that, I had to spend some time just, you know, very introspective. I failed. Why did I fail? And the failure wasn't her fault. It was mine. What did I miss? What did I not develop for myself? And what I found in combination with my career over the recent 20 years uh, is that there were some commonalities as we have more success professionally, whether it's as a small business owner, mid-size going to large scale, as an executive or someone that works in a practice field, such as medicine or such as the law, we start to have to make choices as it relates to our relationship. And oftentimes those uh, choices lead to a sacrifice or a, a damage into the relationship. So what I came up with after a number of articles and a number of started stops was what we have now in the middle ground. And the premise around the middle ground is that as it stands today, people have more access to opportunity, they have more access to money, they have more access to people, but we're having worse relationship outcomes. And those relationship outcomes for the individual that is a professional class comes as we have more success professionally. 
And the reason we're having it is we are not doing the best that we can to reach what is the middle ground with our significant other in the dating relationship. Now, I like to frame this specifically from a dating relationship uh, because that's what it takes to get to marriage. I am very happily married. I have two beautiful children. My wife is a very successful um, uh, litigant uh, as an attorney. Um, and we are not without our own challenges within our relationship. But at the end of the day, my job as the leader in the relationship is to make sure that we're in the middle ground. And that doesn't mean that I'm right. We follow my way. It, all, it means that we have a discussion and a conversation and lead to an outcome because the outcome is for the health of the marriage and the growth and development of the family. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. So unpack uh, away. Yeah, no. First of all, I'm going to say when I think about the my youth and my first marriage, I don't think of it because a lot of us have that first marriage or starter yeah. marriage as we call it. And I don't see it as a failure. I see it as a learning experience. And I mm -hmm. think that for me, I know I was too young to have gotten married in the first place. Mm -hmm. However, from that starter marriage, I got my most beautiful, you know, daughter, my first child. And um, I would never, you know, never think anything of, other than that was a miracle and that was, you know, a, a positive outcome. However, when you're dealing with that divorce situation and you have a child, it's a lot uglier than if you can just walk away because you can't ever really just walk away if you want the best for your child. If the situation warrants it, by the way, that, that it's comfortable both ways. Anyway, that's another whole story, but um, that's the first thing. So I never see it as a failure, but, but I do know that as we mature, as we grow, and we experience relationships as we're building our, our um, uh, careers, then those things start to, you know, show up in, in different ways of um, who's serious, you know, who respects or doesn't respect the other's time spent at work and in growing their career and building their career and so on and so forth. However, when does it turn into, um, like you said something else, actually, you said you are the leader in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's, is it's, that it's a it's a biblical standard. So, okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where your audience stands in their faith. Uh, but the biblical standard is that the husband is the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church. That comes from a sacrifice. So right. most people, they, they misinterpret that. So in our in our world and in our belief, what did Jesus do? He died on the cross. So we have to be willing to die ourselves to give something to the other. So in order to be the head of the household, you have to have a complete spirit of sacrifice and a duty to the cause for the relationship. Would you not though? Okay, so that's so far removed from me. I can't, I can't yeah. tell you because I'm- it, It's removed from a lot of people and I yeah. and there's no judgment against that, but that's no, just no, my, no. my personal no belief. And there's no judgment on your part for you either. Just that it's a, di I grew up very differently to that. It was a very matriarchal society in the Jewish faith. And that's the mm -hmm. difference. Mm -hmm. So, um, but what I was going to say is today, aren't we more on equal ground in that respect? I don't know. Oh, what does okay. your, what does your audience say about that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, are we on equal ground? So this is where the book came. So yeah. as, as a, as a woman, a professional woman, professional modern woman, which I talk about in the book, I have more money, more access, more opportunity. In most cases, we find that the women in Western society make as much or more than most men because of the professions that they 
select. Well, men are that'll so be an argument right there because I don't say most women do. Some women maybe do, but there's still women fighting to get equal pay, right? In so many instances. Sure. So women, the, the women for that were the from the outline from the book standpoint are making more, and their complaint okay. was that when I meet a man, I'm making more than him, and most women want a man that makes more or in some instances double. And the reason is it goes back and it harkens back to the traditional ultimate value that some people want from an outcome from a relationship. Now, if you want to say, all right, we're we're both equal. Okay, I believe that from a relationship standpoint, who's going to follow who? And what are you going to follow? In most instances, even in the most traditional relationships, what rules is truth. And what truth says is this time we're going to support her career and her endeavor because she has what I call the hot hand. She has the awards, she has the money, she has the bonuses, she has the promotions. So it's my job to fall in line and support so that endeavor continues to go on. That's the middle ground. What I will get the uh, you know to combat that will be the men to say, I'm not following her. Well, wait a minute, you guys are in the relationship. So the relationship outcome is the ultimate goal, not your ego or your feeling. Because if she's winning and has the hot hand, then ultimately the investment will pay off as long as you're doing what you need to do to have that uh, as your outcome professional. So it becomes win-win in the end. It becomes win-win. There, there's, there's no, I, I don't believe for a second that any, in any relationship, and if your out, desired outcome is marriage, you need to look at it like me versus him or me versus her. And my career has to go first. Her career has to go second. My career has to go first. His has to go second. It's not going to lead to a great relationship outcome. And it typically leads to the resentment that we talk about in the second book. Right. And you don't want to be in that situation. You want to be in a situation where you guys are working in concert for the ultimate outcome, which is the, the growth and development of the relationship. The best relationships that we see in both the public sector that we see in entertainment and that we see in our own personal lives, they have that spirit of sacrifice, they have that spirit of duty, and they have that mutual love and respect towards one another, and ultimately knowing that the relationship must win. Not me winning and you come along, that's not the right way uh, to look at it. And that's, that's, just, that's just how we came about the book. Yeah, now that all made sense to me, totally. Um, it's much harder to do than to say, of course. And and you mentioned something that I think always gets in the way, whether it's male or female, but quite often I see it as male, but you can tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's ego, and that's ego. Ego gets in the way and pride. <clears throat> Especially when... Um, when the male partner isn't feeling so good about themselves, I guess. In their what do you mean? What do you mean not feeling good about themselves? Well, like if they feel as though they don't like that positioning of they're not, they don't have the hot hand or, you know, they're not the one that's, um, that's blossoming at that particular time. Why not? Well, I don't know. You tell me you're the one that talks to. I'm, I'm saying, why are they not blossoming? Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, it could be because they don't believe in themselves. It could be because they feel that horrible word. But I, I, I think it applies here. Is it called cuckolded? Is that the word? 
I don't know. That word? <laughs> that's a word. I don't know yeah. if that's the place. It's kind of like, you know, um, being emasculated. I think that's okay. What. So being emasculated. So having a woman. So in this example, and I rarely do hypotheticals, but this is fine. So in this example, the woman's making 250 a year. He's making 50. Sure. Okay. They're out of balance. Yeah. They're out of balance and there's going to be a problem until they can both admit we're not going to, we're going to choose not to be out of balance on this. So he's, if, if she's winning awards and he's not already established in his masculine ener energy and he's not already on his purpose, then of course he's going to feel that way. Yeah. But if a man is making $55,000 a year and he loves it and he has a, a life that he can make for himself, and he's tip, he's probably not going to date a woman that is at $250,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. That, that, that group may be misaligned. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's going to be more misaligned than not specifically because of the earnings. Now, it depends on the industry because we have enough examples in entertainment. We have enough examples in politics. We have enough examples in personal life where the money doesn't matter because both people have decided this is the, this is the wave that we're going to ride. The most famous example, I think, is going to be Oprah and Stedman. Mm -hmm. People say, where's Stedman? Stedman's been around for almost 40 years, just mm -hmm. in the background, running business. Oprah always gives Stedman credit. Anytime she's won an award, she was the first billionaire out of TV that came from being a host on a TV show. But she always gives Stedman the credit. Their relationship works because it's their relationship. It's very private. And they have gone with the hot hand, which is Oprah. Now, Stebman is in Chicago was a, a, as she was coming up, he was a developer and I believe an attorney. So as they were moving, as they were moving together and moved up and she overtook him, that didn't stop their relationship from my knowledge, unless something changed. Maybe someone can tell me, but their relationship has been the relationship that was the, the test of time. They are not married from what I understand. Right. I have always joked. I think they may be privately, secretly married. Oprah just doesn't want you guys in her business because that would be so Oprah. Mm -hmm. But that is a relationship that most would see as out of alignment. But if you don't take the historical context of that, you'll miss out on it. Our former president is younger than the, the former first lady. She was at the law firm working when he was an intern mm -hmm. and they got together. They were out of alignment for a very long time. Being a community organizer sounds like 35,000 to me while yeah. she is working on partner track at the law firm. Yeah. And when it moved on, they moved together. Yeah. And in her book, she talks about the decision she had to make in order to support what a former President Obama had to do and what what direction he had in the opportunity that was really in front of them. And she had to make that choice. But before that, I don't recall reading anywhere where our former president made a complaint. Well, she's a partner at a law firm or she's working on her career. Or she's doing this. She's getting bonuses. I think he kind of relished that and supported that. Matter of fact, I, I believe he was home with the kids for a while and then it flipped and she left her job. Mm -hmm. So those are two examples of where it works for both the man having the hot hand and then yeah. the woman having the hot hand and it changing and funny, both of them out of Chicago. So yeah. I, I think that for any situation, what I talk about in the book is you have to make sure that you have alignment. So the book talks about that. There are two chapters uh, that get a lot of buzz and I'm, I'm happy for that. So the first is boys to high value men. There we define six different men. 
And every woman who's listening to this podcast has probably dated five of the six. So they're boys, they're the hot boys, they're males, they're some guys, then there's a man, and then there's the high value man. And in there, we go through definitions of all of them. If I am a professional woman making $250,000 a year and I want a man that makes 500, what type of man is that going to be? The market data says he is going to be a business owner. He may or may not lean more towards a traditional outcome desire for his relationship. He may have be on his second marriage. And he is really looking for someone that is going to provide him the support, cooperation, the dedication to him. At $250,000 a year as a woman, can you do that? I don't know. You can have- if there's passive, if I own 15 McDonald's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I'm a if I'm a doctor, yeah. I mean, you're not making 250. Let's say you're an attorney, you're you're an income partner at a law firm, 250 is a drop in the bucket. So you're probably going to be more towards 350. It's going to be really hard to make that investment for that man. So there is a man for that modern high earning woman that works best. And it's that what I call it's just a modern man, it's a guy, or it's going to be a male. Now, all of those come with their own little challenges, but at the end of the day, she still gets the relationship outcome she's looking for. She still gets the support and the the flexibility to do what she wants to do at work. Um, And then, you know, kind of chapter three talks about girls to high value women. So just like we talked about the men, we Mm -hmm. talked about the women. Mm -hmm. The women have kind of parallels from a definition standpoint of the men. You have girls. You have hot girls or city girls, which is very popular. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have female, yeah. we have gal, we have woman, which is broken up into traditional modern woman, and then we have the high value one. Mm-hmm. So those women are looking to be uh, paired with a specific man at that specific season for their life. And what we find, go ahead. So what no, we find in most no, most instances is that the high value woman doesn't really know it, but she has the most options with everyone in the threat in the in the spectrum of the men, but she will wait for the high value man. While the city girl will take the boy, the F boy, the guy, the male, that traditional man, I don't care, because mm-hmm. what we talk about in the book, she's on to her own purpose, she's doing her own thing her own way, and men are just gonna have to fit in with it. <laughs> are you um, do you coach people around? Um, I have, concepts? yeah, I have, I have coached uh, over the past five or six years or so. Yeah, five, six years um, just through some one-to-one coaching. Uh, what I found is that um, as I looked at kind of the total man as a, and as, as a leader and as an executive, relationships came out of every discussion. Hey, man, you're not hitting your number. Hey, you're not showing up. What's going on? And then we would always get to the point where the relationship was a challenge. So I would always challenge back. What are you looking to get out of the relationship? I'm looking for support. Okay. What does she want from you? Oh, well, she says she wants money. She wants to not work. She wants to take care of the kids. Okay. Well, then you probably need to provide that for if you want the support you're looking for. Mm. And it would lead to a discussion and dialogue about hitting targets, doing things like that. But what it became is uh, coaching the total man or the total woman. And I still use that one-to-one technique uh, today in my direct reports and my skip level reports. That's so interesting because you, 
um, have you have uh, in in your corporate career? You you've got all these people that report to you, or that you are you've hired, and you're watching their progress and whatever. And if you have these conversations, and it always comes back to they're not being happy at home. Mm-hmm. It does. That's it typically so- does. I'm not I'm not happy at home, or I'm not happy with the outcome that I'm getting. Um, just really, and, and more specifically, it's kind of been more in the dating environment. Um, and it's not, and it's equal men and women. I'm not, ha- man, I'm not happy with what I'm saying. I'm just going to put my head down and go to work. Yeah. So, so how, how, what, what would you say three things are that have specifically changed over the last 10 years, let's say in dating that makes it so much more of a difference? Oh, like- what the, the story that, the, what I continue to hear, and I guess 10 years that's about the time I met my wife. So eight, we've been together eight as of this recording. Um, social media. Mm-hmm. I talk about in chapter one, how we got here. Mm-hmm. So how we got here is that dating expanded. So my grandparents, both my grandfathers uh, survived World War II, veterans, came home, lived in the same city. They got the same house in the same neighborhood. Yeah. They paid cash for their house, paid cash for their cars. They married, one married his high school sweetheart and one married uh, someone that was from his hometown down in Mississippi, brought them up. They both had seven kids. They both were part of trades. They were both a part of the lodge. They both were masons. They both got into the unions. They both built the skylines of Chicago. They both took the train in and out and they would work Monday through Friday only. They would get home Friday night. They would go to the lodge. Or they would go to, you know, they would go out to the local nightclub, take their wife, their one wife. The kids were watched by a family member. Saturday was chores and yard work and fixing the car. Sunday was church and family dinner. And we did it all. And by six o'clock, everyone needed to have their mindset for the new. So they dated locally. Yeah. It moved from local to about the 80s with the advent of TV and cable TV we started seeing men and women of other cultures and uh, even just other parts of the country. It's like, man, that's what they, that's how they look in LA. Hey, that's how, that's how the guys look in New York. Ooh, that's how those guys look in Miami. And so our appetite changed. And Hmm. then by the nineties with cable TV in every home, we were now in a feeding frenzy. Like, no, I'm not going to date my high school sweetheart. Really the high school sweetheart kind of ended in the nineties and it went to, all right, who am I meeting in college? All right, so I did local neighborhood, city, high school, college, mm-hmm. state, region, nation, world. Mm-hmm. And you can see all of that in the advent of social media because people are just following people and we're liking each other's posts and it's creating a change in our appetite and our demands. So social media. Mm-hmm. Second probably would be the apps, the advent of the smartphone. So social media is one, the smartphone was the next. So when we started putting all information in the smartphone, it is now literally at our fingertips. So with the advent of dating apps, when something's not going well in one relationship, I can swipe my way to the solution versus being introspective and working on myself. Yeah. So this shows up at work. I was, man, I went out with this girl and it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can, can we talk about your, your numbers? <laughs> but, you know, so that that happened. So I would say social media, I would say the smartphone. Um, and then I would say just kind of the rise in, you know, divorce. So 
the, the really big divorce numbers that I talk about in the book happened right in kind of the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so we had generations of the 80s, generations of the 90s, generations of the 2000s. So we've had three decades of where the stories that are getting told are not what I just talked about with my grandparents. It's about the failed relationships. Mm-hmm. So people are now going into the, re- the idea of a relationship with failure on their mind. So at the first sign of trouble, it's mm-hmm. failing. It's, it's not working. It's, there's, a, there's a line by one of my favorite artists. She talks about it in the song. I don't think it's supposed to be hard if it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, your audience knows to start a business, to have a sex, successful career, to have the, the success you're looking for in your personal relationships, it's hard. Yeah. You don't, that's why you don't have 150 close relationships. That's why you got about three or five, because it's hard to maintain and yeah. it's worth the investment. But for relationships, all of that, what we've talked about has told us that there's someone better. There's a better option for you out there. Why don't you do it? Why don't you go ahead and just figure something out? And that may not necessarily be the case, especially when you think about the opportunity cost of having to go out and find a new one. Well, I think it's very sad when what you just said is true. And the fact that it gets worse when those relationships bear children and then they give up because there's so many, and I've experienced that in my world here, but you know, it's like the children don't ask, you know, for any of that. And yet it's so people are so quick to give up today. You're absolutely right. It's very different. Um, I do see, um, I don't know, I'm thinking about my kids and dating and, and, you know, maybe not, not finding fulfillment in a relationship. Is that based on them not being happy with that person? Or is it based on they're not happy within themselves? And you said something about, you know, people don't want to work on themselves. They don't take the time to do that and make themselves better and more more um, flexible, maybe in the Mm -hmm. sense that, you know, you talk about middle ground and for people to your book, to be able to come to the middle ground with somebody, you have to be comfortable enough in yourself to see that compromise is important. Yeah, you have to. Yes. So you have to see that compromise is important in pretty much any relationship, Mm -hmm. but for your most important relationship, which is going to be your dating relationship, potentially married, marital relationships, yeah. you want to make sure that compromise is there. It can't always be one way for him or her. Right. Um, it has to be somewhere in the middle and it ha- you have to be okay with that because what, what some people do is, all right, we'll just compromise on this. And then they got five years of resentment for compromise and then it blows up one day. And that's not what you want to do. Uh, what you want to do is be true to the fact that I am trying to do what's best for the relationship and support you in this. So self is going to have to die on this. That is a complete, that is the way my grandfather looked at it. That's the way my grandmother looked at it. Mm -hmm. And the work, they both, my my grandmothers and my grandfathers both did the work to prepare themselves to be ready for the relationship. And they did the work in the relationship. And remember, this was before a lot of things that we have now. Well, they didn't rem- have the, the, sorry, but they, they didn't have the, um, the um, distractions of other things. Yeah, there, are, there, there weren't any distractions. Both of my grandmothers, were, they didn't work outside of the home until right. much later. And when right. they worked outside of the home, they were 
you know, they were cleaning, they were doing childcare, or they started a, you know, something like a dry cleaners or a laundromat or a restaurant. So it was something that was very much close to what they do on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating uh, for people to go back to that. But what I am saying is that there is some work that has to happen and you have to be willing to pivot. And both both of them pivoted. And they did the work necessary to make themselves the best version of themselves Mm -hmm. for that time and for that season in life. Mm -hmm. And then as things progress, you kind of go there. Mm -hmm. I, I say... Right now, um, for you know, most relationships, you you have to know what season you're in. And I talked about the hot hand. Are you in the season of the hot hand for him? Or are you in the season of the hot hand for her? Mm-hmm. Are you in the season for um, where hey, we need to go ahead and we need to downshift a little bit in this area? Can you take a step back? I'm not going to raise my hand and sign up for that extra project. I'm not going to do that extra trip to travel because right now the relationship requires presence, or the relationship requires this. Um, and then there's going to be a season. All right. Now I have to go ahead and go pedal to the metal because right now is the season for about a two, three year period where you have to, I need your support here. And here's what support looks like. Mm-hmm. We're not even having that conversation now. Right. People are like, oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that because I, I'm, I'm working on, I'm, I just finished law school five years ago. I'm now can be considered for partner. And if I have to have a conversation with, with him about that, I may lose him. So let me just put my head down and just hope that it works. Hope is not a strategy. Right, right. So, so what do you see as the goal for a relationship? Uh, I see the goal for a relationship as uh, marriage. You want, the rela- you want the relationship to lead to a long-term commitment and a mm-hmm. commitment that's enduring. I don't yeah. think, I mean, there's some people who just want the relationship and let me not say just, they, they want the relationship with one person for a number of reasons. The things that I've heard, I want partnership, I want a companion, I want someone uh, who's going to be my support. I want someone who I come home to. I, for some of the reasons that I stated earlier on this, uh, this pod, I don't want the marriage. Some people have a belief that marriage will damage the relationship. And I, I don't know. From their past, from their baggage that they- From their baggage. Them, right? And even from the baggage of uh, mom, dad, aunties yeah. and uncles, That's cousins right. and exactly. friends, it may be the unexperienced trauma that leads some of us to make decisions. And some of that unexperienced trauma may not be our situation if we put in the work. Do you ever feel when you're, um, when you're working with your sales teams that you look mm-hmm. after at, at your corporate, um, in your corporate world, that you know there's something else going on and, and you, know, you, you wanna put that other hat on about the relationship piece and is this the place to do it? Or do you always go there and to support people that you work with? Do you know what I mean? Like it's hard. Yeah, sometimes. it's a, it, it would be, see, it's a combination of both. So it has to be, so for my, for my current role, I did the recruitment on everyone that we hired. So I had a, a personal investment and a personal stake in everyone's success. Not everyone's been successful, mm-hmm. um, but the overall group has. Mm-hmm. So there are times when something happens where I immediately have to pivot. And as the leader, it is my job to pivot because I don't want things to spiral out of control. And I pivot because one, I care. I made the personal investment. I, I brought on everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I want to see them, see them become the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. So in some instances, it could be a personal thing that we take offline and we have a conversation about. Or sometimes uh, there are many of my team members, they'll bring it to their one-to-one. 
all right, I'm dealing with this at home. Uh, so this is kind of why I've been distracted. And that transparency works wonders because it's like, all right, so then I may go have a conversation with another team member. Hey, I need you to step up on your shift or I need you to step up uh, on your numbers this this month. They don't know why I'm asking them that, but nine times out of 10 is that. Right. And then that person that's having that issue at home, they've they've shared that with you. But then the real question is, have they do they know what to do with it at home? Yeah, when you give when you tell someone you give them, you know, in, in this instance, you give permission for me to check in. So I may exactly. check in in three weeks. Exactly. Like, hey, how's that going? Yeah, I, I this is a joke. I told uh, my managers the number one complaint during the pandemic outside of childcare was home cleanliness because we were all working from home. <laughs> I told two of them, if I made it a part of your job to go hire someone on care.com or go on handy.com and find someone to clean your house, would you do it? Yes. You're going to be fired tomorrow if you don't find someone to clean your house because I am tired of you talking about <laughs> cleaning your house and you're the, the, the my husband says my boyfriend says my, my kids go find someone to clean your house have them come every two weeks it yeah. resets the house it resets your mood and it, it holds your family accountable because you can't right now and yeah. then once both the two did that they were like it never came up again yeah they it's like we solved it we solved yeah. the problem. So now I need you to be the best version of yourself and show up here. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So let's talk about numbers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, <clears throat> what would you say um, as we start to wrap up here? I've got two two questions. One is a two-part question that I like to ask my, my, uh, my guests because I'm always so fascinated by this. I love the word curiosity. And I would imagine you're a curious person as well, probably because of the work that you do in the book. Um, however, my question is, number one, do you believe that curiosity is innate or learned? And number two, what are you most curious about right now? Do I believe it's learned or innate? I think mm -hmm. curiosity is innate because I can see that in my children. They're always mm -hmm. curious about something. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that what perfects it is learning it, taking the time to kind of manage how curious you're going to be and how you're going to discover what you need to discover. Okay. Um, what I am what I am really curious about is the discussion around relationships. Um, there, there has been a growth in the past five years in the social media YouTube space for relationships. And what I find interesting it's people that haven't even been through a divorce who are talking about relationships and expected outcome and don't have a relationship to show any result. And so I find it very interesting to kind of understand both sides of that with my own experience and the experience of the people that I've coached and managed. And I see a lot of similarities. Um, for your audience right now, they will probably know the terms. There's the red pill, there's the blue pill, then there's the purple pill. I believe most people mm -hmm. are purple pill, uh, but both of those two spectrums are very loud with very uh, uh, large echo chambers. And there's a lot of discussion around what needs to be the truth. And none of it talks about what we uh, brought up in the book, which is reaching the middle ground. Um, so I'm very curious as to how people get to their, you know, kind of conclusions about relationship and what a relationship would be specifically around not having any, any outcomes to speak of. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So what's your best piece of advice for my audience? For your audience as a busy professional looking to navigate uh, their career and their personal relationships, 
uh, don't neglect the closest relationship, your relationship with a significant other for business success. There is plenty of business success to be had. There are not plenty of relationships to have. Oh, that's so good. That's so good and so true. It, and sad, actually, today that that's the way it is, but it is, right? And, right. and yeah, when I think about it, I know a lot of um, entrepreneurial women who are single, and I don't know if they're single by choice. I, in lots of cases, I don't know if they are. And, mm-hmm. you know, and and they're, you know, going through the second part of their life alone. And um, have you ever done a poll with your audience to see what percentage of them are okay with being alone at 75? Well, I think there's more, there's more of them that are um, more okay with it than I would Mm -hmm. think. I do believe that, but I I guess from my perspective, I'm just thinking that um, there needs to be more people that you don't want to die alone. You don't want to, Mm No. So, you know, anyway, I, I didn't really want to end there. I just started to think about it and, and how there's more people that can't, they're either afraid to find the right partner or, um, that, you know, to be out there again and look for somebody, or they just settle because they think that's where they're going to be because they're either divorced or they're widowed. Um, and, you know, or they've, their relationship, whatever form it was, has ended. And um, they just don't want to be out there again because it's a different world today. It's scary. Yeah, agree. Okay. However, I think your book, thought-provoking, the middle ground, and I think you have a second, um, uh, the second book coming out. Part two. Part two next year. Now, how will that differ? What will that do? Go into more detail. Uh, yeah, it'll go into. So the the why was pretty important for the first book. The second book was going to be the how. So it's, it, it really okay. talks about, you know, kind of some That's of the headlines are, what do you want, how to reach the middle ground, and, and then more of a call to action for the middle ground. That's good. Then that's, that sounds like now you're giving people some strategies to. Um, I've been told that's the hope. The first part of the book has no hope. And this one is where the hope lies. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay. Well, well, I think there is hope there. And I think that, um, that, that will, I look forward to seeing that. And uh, you'll have to come back and talk about that one. So thank you for being here. And thank you for your insights around relationships. Because I think even though I don't think my, my audience is about personal relationships, it all comes back to that anyway, whether you're talking to somebody in business or you're talking to someone at the coffee shop or whatever. So um, interesting. And thank you for um, being here and for enlightening my audience where can they my audience find your book uh two places uh so first they can always visit www.glensanderford.com uh mm-hmm. we have a second website uh that houses the community uh the middlegroundbook.com okay um, and then it's also available on kindle uh, on amazon for paperback hardcover and then there's an audio version um, and then there's also it's also available on um, barnesandnoble.com Perfect. All right. I'll put all that in the show notes. And thank you again for being here. And to my audience, thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your comments and your reviews on the conversation around the middle ground. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. 
thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.